be attentive. Brethren, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in our hope of sharing the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit which has been given to us. While we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Why one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man one will dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we are now justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. If your eye is sound, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is not sound, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor about your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add one cubit to his span of life? 
And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, for yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O men of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them all. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things shall be yours as Happy Father's Day. When Father Theodore um, sent me a text saying, will you give the homily on Father's Day? Actually, he said, are you ready to give a Father's Day homily? And I, this was several days ago, and when I read that, I thought, great, I will give the homily on Father's Day. And, and as soon as I read the gospel and things started standing out to me and I started to read deep, more deeply, I completely forgot about Father's Day. So there will be a decided lack of Father's Day themes within this, but God willing, um, there will be something for fathers as well. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all the other things will be added to us. That's the ending of today's gospel. This somewhat long section is a part of a much longer section called the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is telling us all about the kingdom. And as you read through it, you must imagine that the people are shaking their heads going, what is he talking about? The kingdom of God is something so different than we've encountered before. And yet, that is why we're here today. We're here, and you're here, to seek the kingdom of God first in your lives. God is present here now. Jesus Christ is fully here among us. In His Holy Spirit, He is everywhere present, filling all things. In Him, we live and move and have our being And we experience Him. Today's epistle says, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. So God's love has been poured out upon us, and that's why we're here. And we know these are true things. God is truly with us. He's in us. He is present around us and through us. But not just here in the Holy Temple but always, in our homes, and in our cars, in our workplaces. He is fully present with us and in us. Yet, 
Is that really, truly our reality? Is that really our experience? Do we really, really believe this? Do we experience Christ's presence in the midst of every moment of our life? We live in a society that's becoming increasingly secular, where discussion of God, especially of Jesus Christ, doesn't really happen much. The society has essentially said that that's fine for you, but it's not fine for me, so it's all good. And, and it's, it's very profoundly is affecting to us. Because we are trying to live our lives in Christ in the midst of a world who denies Him. At very best, the Christians around us, well, I guess I won't say at the very best, but many of the Christians around us refer to God as the man upstairs. And if he's upstairs, that implies that he's not here. He's someplace else. We'll just call him when we need him. And that's the way many, many people live. Effectively atheists. We believe, but not in any way that's truly active. Now, when I first looked at this gospel, what stood out to me is a connection between two ideas. Jesus says, No one can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and mammon. And then he says, therefore, making that connection, do not be anxious about your life. And I started thinking about why he makes this connection between serving two masters and our anxiety. And I would guess that all of us could say that in the past week, we have felt anxious. We're anxious about so many things. Good things. But so, so many things. It seems that often our minds and our hearts are seeking something other than the kingdom. No one can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and mammon. So, what is mammon? What do we mean by this? The Blessed Theophilic in his commentary say that Mammon really refers to riches, but it refers also to any worldliness, worldly concerns, or unrighteousness. And I think we have to admit, if we're honest with ourselves, that we indeed are trying to serve two masters. And this is the source of our anxiety. We, of course, want to serve God, and that's why we're here. And it is the goal of our life to serve Him with our whole self. And yet... We are tempted and torn all the time because we're also trying to serve ourselves. Our selfish concerns and our preoccupations in this difficult secular world cause us to sometimes push aside Christ. We've got things to do. We wake up in the morning and already the anxieties start to pour on sometimes. We begin to think of all that we have to do and all that we have to accomplish, all that really must be done. And if we remember to say our morning prayers, if we remember God in the morning, we have a hard time praying because we are distracted by our thoughts. And we we hurry our prayers so we can get on with what we need to do. There's a good chance that if we remember that we're supposed to take up our cross and follow Him, that we take it up, but then are tempted immediately to put it over in the corner of the dining room until we need it later. So then as the hustle and bustle of the day begins and all of our to-do lists raise their, their heads, we put ourselves in the driver's seat. 
and we get on with the responsibilities of life. The responsibilities of our job, our family, our recreation, um, giving recreation to our kids, all these are very good things. And we must pay attention to these things. We must do these things. We have to. We have to get the job done of living and providing for our families and keeping house and making a living. Our problem, though, is that in the play-by-play, in the moment-by-moment, we forget God. We just forget Him. And now many of us have very difficult jobs that are very intense, maybe personally interactive with people, and it's hard for us to remember God in the moment. We go through long periods of time, and we find that we're serving not our Master, Jesus Christ, but we're serving our other Master, ourselves. We are largely doing what we want to do, when we want to do it, the way we want to do it. Or, we're just doing things we have to do. But when we have to do them, we do them the way we want to do them. And we're doing the best we can. We think we're doing the best we can. And at the end of most days, perhaps, we're drained. We're drained emotionally and spiritually. At the end of the day, we might even forget to say our evening prayers. We're too tired. We want to relax a little bit at the end of the day. We don't want to have to get up and stand in prayer. So instead instead we spend some time relaxing. Maybe watching television or watching a movie. And somehow God has taken not first place, but second place. We've put the Lord self and the Lord family and the Lord job and the Lord vacation and the Lord rest and the Lord fun... We've put all those lords, all those masters ahead of Christ. A few days ago, there was an epistle reading in the daily readings. It's from Romans 8. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. We know this to be true, that when we are setting our minds on the flesh and our worldly lives with, to the exclusion of God and His presence with us, we know that it's, it's unto death. We can feel it. We can feel the anxiety. We can feel a lack of peace, a lack of God's presence. So, how can it be different? How can we keep our Lord Jesus Christ, our first master, whom we serve all the time? How can we deny ourselves, deny our second master, our selfishness? We really need to seek the kingdom first by setting our minds, the center of our very being, on Christ and His love. Certainly, we have things that we must do but we don't need to be anxious about them. We've got our to-do lists, and they must get done. Or at least many of them have to get done, it seems. So how do we take up our cross? Well, I'm going to give you a to-do list now. I'm going to tell you how to live your lives. We always love that when someone tells us how to live our lives. Right, teenagers? Now this list is a challenging one. And this is how we can make, pre- make present God in our lives all the time. That He would be our Master. 
Number one, be thankful for everything. Be thankful for absolutely everything that encounters through the day. We're sitting in traffic and we're late to our appointment. Be thankful. Somebody in our family falls and gets hurt. Let us be thankful. We don't know exactly what we've been preserved by the, uh, from by the delay. Maybe there was a horrible accident that God preserved us in that traffic jam. So it is possible if we make God present in our life to be thankful for everything. The epistle today even says for us to rejoice in our suffering because we know that God will use it for good. Number two, extend love to every single person that we encounter in every day. Number three, don't complain about anything ever. The Apostle Paul encourages us to be thankful and to do all things without grumbling. Don't give voice to dissatisfaction. Don't let it out, but push it down. Don't complain about anything. And the only way to do that is for us to do number one, to be thankful for everything. And here's a hard one. Number four, don't criticize anyone, ever. St. Paisios of the Holy Mountain says, don't, parents don't even criticize your children. But he says, if you're a parent or a teacher and some correction is necessary, then do it with the utmost humility and gentleness so that they are lifted up rather than torn down. Number five, always make excuses for others and their shortcomings. Always invent a story that explains why they behave in this way that was hurtful. Always make excuses for others so that we can, in fact, extend our love to them and not criticize them. And never make excuses for yourself, but own it. And number six, the last one on the list. Pray always. Fill every space of your life, not with thoughts and with cares and with pondering, not with anxiety, but with Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. And if things are going really hard, then Lord, help me. But cry out to the Lord, and He will hear you in all of those spaces. Now forgive me, that list is rather um, guilt and anxiety producing when we, when we recognize how we all fall short. In fact, I would guess that uh, it looks a lot like um, most of our lists as we approach confession. Um, we know we can't do all this. We, cannot, we, can't meet, we can't accomplish this list in any day. We know we're going to fail. Of course we're going to fail. But in the failing, we are going to remember God. And He is going to be with us. And He is going to lift us up. When we fall, we will get up. We'll confess. And we won't wait for confession. We'll confess right now. And we'll confess again later. We will get up in thankfulness, with no excuses, with confidence in God's love for us. And the beauty is that God is not keeping score. 
In the 102nd Psalm, the psalmist says, He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor requite us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is His steadfast love towards those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. He does not remember our sin. He pours out His love for us. God is not trying to make us better people. I'll say it again. God is not trying to make you a better person. The potter is not trying to make the lump of clay into a better lump of clay. The potter is trying to make it into a vessel worthy to hold holy things. God is trying to make you and us into gods by grace. He wants to share His glory with us. He wants us to be like Him by His grace. He wants to make us saints. And not because we don't fall, but because we get back up and we know Him and we love Him. St. John says, This is eternal life, that they know the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom He has sent. We cannot serve two masters and hope to please God. We cannot serve two masters. We cannot serve ourselves and hope to know our Lord unto salvation. We must make every effort at the beginning of the day and at the middle of the day and at the end of the day to make Christ our master. We must try to offer our whole life, each minute of the day, to Him. Each drop of our energy we submit to Him first. And in return, He gives us His love, His life, and He makes His home with us. And He abides in us, and He makes us more like Him. Let us seek first the kingdom of God, that we might abide in Christ all the time, and that He might truly abide in us.